0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 11 of the Own the Moment podcast. My name is TJ Lasig. I of course am your host here at OTM and as always I am joined by the man himself that has been in the lab crunching all of the expected value numbers you could possibly ask for Mr. Justin Herzig. Justin, how are we doing tonight?
1: We are doing fantastic. We are pumped up for everyone that's on the live stream getting to listen to that new music that producer Coop put together, the new intro. Things are happening. It's magic.
0: Yes, that was that was beautifully done. We've got some headshots onto the thumbnails. I thought that that was a nice little touch. We've got, you know, Justin looking sharp in his blazer as he's running all the numbers like the true professional that he is. But hey, more importantly, we finally have a little bit of momentum here for the first time in what feels like a week. It feels like things have been a little bit slow as of late. I've been seeing my account valuation just go down and down and down, but it's starting to go back up and that's always fun. And uh, yeah, we've got some, some new, it looks like two new sets that are going to be coming. We had the Rising Stars announcement earlier, which was Pretty cool to hear the NBA and you know some of the, the larger NBA media sources talking directly about that. And then we also see that a new set called the Seeing Stars has been minted with a lot of high-end players in that set. So what do, what do you think about the big news on both fronts that we're hearing so far, Justin?
1: Yeah, we've been hearing rumors that All-Star Weekend was going to be big. Um, it's pretty clear that uh, Dapper Labs and their team kind of had this as a, uh, a milestone, kind of a big... Uh, you know at least like kind of a target to go after, and it seems like, for all accounts, like they went big. Um, being able to, you know, unfortunately, there is no rising um stars game this year. Um, that would have been obviously a uh, slapping that the uh, USA would have put on that world team when you look at the actual team. Um, but it obviously, it would have been fun to see, and so unfortunately, what we can't have that uh, was still cool to see the uh, you know, NBA build, you know, use their partnership with Top Shot to actually release that information. And then it seems like Top Shot's going to not just do it from a marketing-wise, but, you know, hey, tie the game with the actual NBA and kind of increase that connection and uh, make, uh, you know, two sets actually based off the rising stars. And then I think the others are the rest of the All-Stars.
0: Yep, Yeah. Pretty cool. And I I, I was always feeling pretty good about All-Star weekend, but now I feel pretty confident that... we're going to hear some more Top Shot talk, I think, on these broadcasts and such over the All-Star weekend. At least that that, that would be my hunch. And th- there we go. So someone in the chat, how many times they say, yeah, that, that, 5, 10, 50, agreed. I, I was thinking, you know, before today, I'm like, man, maybe, maybe we'll get a couple Top Shot mentions. But now, now I'm feeling like they might just be full-on shilling Top Shot all over the major broadcast networks this weekend, which would, of course, be fantastic for all of us. Yeah,
1: I mean, we saw like, well, probably about two months ago, maybe a little less, maybe about a month and change. We saw like physical cardboard uh, cards being opened on stream. I mean, on like, uh, what was it, NBA, one of the games on the NBA tonight? Um, and so now that like there's actually a partnership, there's no reason that like, hey, you can't actually have. What if we were to see like, okay, one of these rising stars or seeing stars packs being opened? Live on one of the NBA, uh, you know, either All Star activities. That would just be that'd be just, I think, the other uh, unexpected, otherworldly. If we actually had packs being opened on the NBA broadcast, but uh, seeing stars, maybe that's shooting for the stars, but
0: uh, aspirations, hopes, hey, dream big, right? I I, I agree that I think this is this is big news, and you know, say what we want about whatever has been going on, this is a, a fantastic move by the Dapper Labs team and getting this level of publicity, getting this visibility. I think that thousands, if not tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people are going to potentially hear about Top Shot for the first time over the next couple of days as they tune in for the various All-Star weekend events. So looking forward to that. All right, let's get into a little bit of what we have on the agenda tonight. We, we wanted to touch on on the state of the market. obviously the, the big news that, that popped in the last couple of hours. Touch on that briefly. So we'll do a quick state of the market. What, what have we been seeing? How are things going? And then we're going to do our strategy deep dive section into the concept of expected value. We you know, we're constantly kind of tweeting and talking in discord about some of these different expected value calculations that we're doing. So we will walk through, how all of that works and also how each of us can use kind of the the general concept of expected value in our individual strategies. Sound good, Justin? That works for me. All righty. So let me go ahead. I will share my screen first. I will say that if you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, there's going to be a good amount of screen sharing in this session. Justin is going to share some of his work in terms of the analysis that he's been doing. So if you have the ability to switch over to our YouTube channel, I would definitely recommend that, but we will we'll try to make it as podcast friendly as possible as well. Okay. So the first thing that I wanted to show was that it was this tweet that we saw earlier today from Katie from the Dapper Labs team. And I mean, funny little joke in a tweet, shout out to my family and friends who I've been ignoring for the past few weeks, things escalated quickly. And my goodness, I mean, we knew that we've seen a lot of, registrations on TopShot just intuitively. But I did not know it was, you know, I mean, we're looking at north of 400,000 here. So I think that this just puts into perspective what we've all kind of been feeling and speculating on and really shows the numbers of like, wow, the amount of growth that has happened in TopShot in literally a less than three month period and mostly in a one month period.
1: And I, mean, I think this also gives a peek into what the Dapper Labs team has had to handle from a technology scale, from all of those things they talked about from behind the scenes with regards to KYC, AML, withdrawals, issues, bots, and everything. Like, I mean, if we look at that at the turn of the year, I mean, you were looking at what registrations in the 15,000, 20,000 range, and now we're jumping up in a two month period up to nearly a half a million. I mean, that's ridiculous scale. And it, it puts things into perspective, obviously, the level of growth, but obviously, uh, some additional context around why there's kind of been those challenges. And obviously, it just could not have been foreseen that how quickly this was going to sh- you know, shoot up. And so for those who don't know, Katie is kind of the uh, magician behind the scenes for Dapper Labs with regards to a lot of these partnerships, uh, pretty much the person who I think uh, many of her colleagues at least credit for putting together the MBA deal on that partnership. Um, and so, you know, very credible source. And, you know, is that a shout out to her family friend, shout out to her for all the work she's done. And uh, you know, it was just, just a great thing to see for us to get that kind of affirmation, that confirmation of our thoughts on the growth uh, within Dapper Labs and Topshop.
0: Yeah, and we can continue to see them evolving and adapting their strategy each and every day. We'll obviously talk about the the upcoming boatload of base packs that will be released to people. But first, let's take a look at the latest status of the OTM 50 here. So we can see we've got a a year-to-date view here. We can see, obviously, the crazy bull run that we went on. And then, you know, we're looking relatively flat to to downtrending for the past week or so which again reflects what we've all been been feeling what we've all been seeing in our account valuations in our portfolios but really hopeful that I mean and we're already seeing it with the the talk of the rising stars now we've got this seeing star set that is inevitably going to be up and coming we've got the the base packs that are going to be coming out we've got cool cats three on the horizon we've got rumors of a run back on the horizon so there's a lot of activity that is going to be happening over the course of the next week, two weeks on Top Shot. And what we've kind of seen is that any any kind of spark of excitement really just <laughs> ignites the marketplace. Whether or not there's a good reason for that or an efficient reason for that, I- I'm not so sure, but I also don't really care because I- I'm happy to, uh, to get some more action in the marketplace and I, I have not been, you know, selling any of of the stuff that I've been holding and haven't been too worried about it. But I think, uh, we're hoping to see a, a bounce back here, Justin, what, what do you think is next and, and what are your thoughts on kind of looking back over the past couple of days and a little bit of the slower activity that we've seen?
1: Yeah. And I think, I mean, without a doubt, it, it's hard to tell because, you know, I think that movements really only happened in the past kind of four or six hours for the turn has happened, but I do feel, um, I, I do feel like that that is coming and we have seen it. Um, I am personally, the way that I kind of think about the long-term growth is I think that the money entering top shot has to be greater than the money being withdrawn plus the money being paid to top shot. And so a little calculation, let me, I'll read it once more. So money entering top shot needs to be greater than the combination of the money being withdrawn plus the money being paid to top shot and either purchasing packs and fees and such like that. Um, How does that happen? That happens because, A, you get user growth. You get additional people entering the market because people are interested. There's marketing, whatever those dollars are. Uh, That's how you get money. in. also, if you build a great product and you continue to provide and produce um, great moments, then people like us who are already in it continue to stay in it because we want to continue purchasing as collectors, as investors and so forth. what we've seen i think over the past five seven days is just a lot of people who probably joined into top shop for the wrong reasons probably joined in because they thought oh money's growing on trees i can get it you know this is easy money you can't lose and once we started you know that hockey stick kind of slowed down People got scared. People got the paper hands and the people who weren't in this for the long term and want to get that quick buck and realize that, Hey, maybe they weren't going to get it immediately because they joined in a little too late for that initial bull rush. um, They just start undercutting everyone else. And so if your goal is just to get out of the market, well, you're going to just put your price lower. And all you need is a really not a few, you really just need a few people, especially only like two or three that have the same moments that are trying to get out that if there's not anyone buying at that moment, and people are actively trying to sell, they're just gonna keep undercutting each other. And I think that's what we've primarily seen over the past you know, five, seven days. Um, so I obviously do feel that we will still eventually get back to this upward trajectory, um, but I don't think it's a bad thing to lose um, to lose the people that are doing the undercutting, the people who weren't really having that collector long-term mindset, and the people who, at the end of the day, we're here for the quick buck and realize that maybe they missed their opportunity. Maybe they showed up too late. Maybe this a in for them and that's perfectly okay. That's natural. It's going to happen. And for the long-term stability of strength of the market, it's necessary. Yep.
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah, definitely agree with everything that you just said right there. Um, it's, it's not a bad thing to, to shake some of these people that were never, necessarily in it for the right reasons. Or so we're coming in looking for that quick flip. I also think that we've seen some positive news stories floating around on Twitter of people that have been able to withdraw and able to withdraw large sums of money. I think that's also a great thing. And I know that that one of the the kind of concerns is, oh my goodness, as soon as withdrawals are available to everyone, which I feel like they, I don't know, I feel like this, you're not able to withdraw thing is somewhat of a myth. If you're like a pretty active user, it seems to me, I have not tried to withdraw, but it seems like it's certainly possible. But my view is also that even if people do withdraw as soon as they're able to, like, they're going to be the first people that the second there's buzz again, all of a sudden they're going to be depositing. And they're probably going to deposit more than they withdrew the first time because now they're going to have a lot more confidence in, hey, I know that I can take money off. So that, that thing in particular doesn't concern me too much. And, yeah, overall, think that this was a healthy, you know, slight pullback, a healthy calming down. It was never realistic that we were just going to be doubling every single day, every two days. So I think in the long run, this will pay out. And it's, uh, yeah, we can see, we can also see the crazy volatility here, right? In the OTM 50, right? The peaks and the valleys can see that kind of consolidation move. But there's been some, some solid strength at the bottom there. And again, keep in mind, these this is not reflective of the entire market. It is a collection of 50 of the more common, more highly traded Series 1 and Series 2 moments. So if you're feeling like your portfolio went down long longer than this, it's probably a lot of the, the S2 commons out of 15,000 that are that are not included in this index. We will have additional indexes in the near future, and we'll be able to, to check out a bunch of different views, breakdowns of series one versus series two, deep dives specifically into rookies, deep dives into some of the rare sets. So we've got a lot more to come on the index front.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can even see right here. So that L24 is two and a half percent. And so that's within the past 24 hours, the 0 50 is actually up a small amount, two and a half percent. And I would guess if you were to isolate that to more so just the past kind of six hours, it's probably you know a, a bit more than that, even more. So if we are trending the right way, and no question, that excitement is being driven by these new pack drops. Um, I've also seen some um, I apologize because I don't know who to give this credit to, but there are probably a couple of people that have said this on Twitter that I think is pretty sharp. Um, I think it was actually in our Discord as well. Um, The Cool Cat Master Challenge has actually hurt the market long term. Um, And I believe that the first impact we saw when they announced the Master Challenge is that the Cool Cats that we expected them to completely drop in price which I think they maybe did for a little, when they announced the master challenge, it preserved the price of those cool cats. So then it no longer was, okay, I complete my challenge and I just get rid of the cool cats. Um, what it's led to is all the people that are continuing to complete the master challenge, which we think there's around 3,500, 4,000 who are at least going to try. Obviously not all of them can, but it seems like that's about how many that are aiming to try for it as of now. Um, they're going to have something like ten dollars to $15,000 worth tied up in those moments in moments that they can't really sell if they want to continue the challenge um and so whether or not they actually paid ten to fifteen thousand dollars to get it that's what the market kind of value is especially if you're including the luca which is at around seven eight thousand now that if people weren't holding on to those what would they be doing with that cash would it be distributed between all of our other s ones s twos rookies rare moments like i don't know but there's no question that like as it is now you have a substantial amount of the population of the active population that are holding up around 10 to 15k of working capital um in this challenge so it'll be very interesting to see what happens as we get closer to the master and through the master challenge and when you know what people end up doing with all those funds
0: yeah, that's a great point. Definitely a ton of capital that is tied up in the Cool Cats Master Challenge. Myself, I know that you, know, you, me, Neil, Coop, we've all got some some funds tied up. So pretty much the whole OTM team is is pretty all in on the Cool Cats. And yeah, if if we were not doing that, we would be investing that money elsewhere. So I think that's a great point. All righty. So, well, I shout, out, I shout out to Brian here. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was going go no, sh- to say, go from there. Chill away yeah, yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, you know. Brian, away. Brian in the chat, smash that like button. Appreciate you. Guys, you're not doing it for me. You're doing it for Brian. He's, he's the one who really, really wants this for the people. So shout out to Brian. But please, if you're enjoying the show, hit that like button. It does help us a lot. Justin, sorry for cutting you off. Yeah. No, you're good. Um,
1: I went to bed last night. I think it was around one o'clock after TJ and I got off kind of a little call. Um, and not too related to that call, but I almost pulled the trigger on selling all of my cool cats whoa yeah and um i didn't but it's at least a consideration and uh as we'll go on i can kind of talk about why i considered it um and some of the analysis that we'll go into soon is gonna kind of gear towards it um but just trying to think about like from a larger perspective and that, Hey, I, you know, the Luca is obviously extremely valuable. The Lamella is going to be extremely valuable, but, uh, we're going to get to the point where not only me, but a lot of people are just going to be asking like, is this the best use of my funds? Um, and are these challenges really worth it? And, uh, we'll get into that conversation soon when you're ready.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. No, I think that's a great, a great transition here into more of the strategy deep dive segment of the show. So what, what we're trying to do on this Wednesday night show is pick a particular topic that we can dive a little bit extra into the weeds to from a strategy perspective after we do our kind of weekend review market update, trying to make that a consistent format going forward. And last week when the the new Series 2 packs, the, the pre-order was announced, we came out with our tweet around the expected value, saw a lot of chatter in the Twitter comments, some chatter in the discord about whether or not the value here is too high or, you know, how we're coming about this. And we thought that, and then similarly, like Justin just said, with the challenges, like everything that we're doing here on Top Shot is is directly correlated to this concept of expected value. And uh, I'm pretty excited to dive into it. I, you know, I may be a, cool cat on the outside but in deep inside i'm, I'm really an expected value nerd and you know sometimes really? you even got to talk about expected value on on like a date right like that's sometimes that will just happen with me i am still single so maybe i need to re-evaluate the the ev of my dating strategy but i've definitely dropped some some ev truth bombs on on some of my dates and uh i think the ladies really really enjoy expected value justin would you agree mm-hmm. with that
1: how many spreadsheets have you built for Tinder or your
0: various dating websites? Yeah, you got to optimize for for everything that you do. So you know this is uh, this is this is dating in twenty twenty one. You got to be efficient with your time. I
1: I think expected value should definitely come into all of decisions in our life. Um, it does not need to be only monetary. Um, I believe talking about it on a date is a negative expected value play. Um, good to know. Good to know. It's worth considering all your bases when you're trying
0: to round them yourself. You got to try. You got to try. Joshua gets it. He says nothing like good EV discussion during a date. So he's he's, he's on board. All right. All right, Justin. So let's, let's just talk like very, very at a base level, high level. What is this concept of expected value like range of outcomes, variance, how does all of that stuff, h- how would we explain that to someone in a simple way? And how does that correlate to what we're doing here at TopShot?
1: Yeah. So, in, in, from a statistical stance, when you have enough of, um, enough instances, enough, um, let's say, <laughs> events our expected value is across those, what is the kind of average or the the mean that we're driving towards? And so what we mean is with these packs, if there are 100,000 packs being, or if there's 100,000 packs being out there, the expected value is going to be okay across all those, what's the kind of average outcome? And then per an individual basis, okay, that's what I can think that my expected value is. Now, the chance of me actually hitting that EV is pretty rare. But across the larger, you know, population, we're going to be gearing towards that expected value. So when we provide these numbers, we're not giving out our guess of uh, what we think your pack is going to be worth, because actually the expected value is almost always going to be higher than what the expect than what you're most likely to get out of the pack, because the higher priced assets, which are less likely to get, kind of drive up that price. So. Even if the expected value of a pack for some of these we see is, let's say, $30, if you end up getting yours and you know your value is actually only going to be $6, $7, $8, it's actually a pretty normal event. And yeah, maybe you got a little unlucky, but uh, at the end of the day, that's a normal outcome because there's someone else that got the lamello and theirs is worth $4,000. And so to weigh those out, you probably need... I don't know. I'm not doing math right now, but something like 50 of the really cheap ones, probably even more than that, to outweigh or to you know weigh um, equal out that $4,000 lamella. Um, and so, with this expected value, yes, we started doing it for packs, but we should also be considering it for any kind of outcome-driven you know outcome-driven event we're going after. So whether it is a challenge, whether it is a decision, on whether or not we purchase a pack whether it is a decision on what my strategy is on how I want to approach investing in one set or a couple players in a set. Like I'm always trying to think about, okay, what are the range of outcomes and what's my expected value for making that move?
0: Yeah. And just because something is again, a positive expected value doesn't mean that that means it's going to work out hundred percent of the time. Like Justin said, it just means that when you're wrong, you lose small, but when you're right, you win big. And to me, that is kind of the general concept here, and I think applies to, to some of the examples that we're going to dive into here. We're going to talk about the, the the pack EV specifically. We're going to talk about the challenges and kind of how to think about the expected value of the challenges and how to determine whether or not you think it's worth trying to go for that reward. And then the final thing that we're going to talk about is the this whole concept of the the international players for the potential Cool Cats 3 challenge base moments, which is seeming like maybe the outcome is not going to be what we hoped, but we are still fine to share the process as to to why, given the information at the time, we felt that it was a a plus EV type of move to make. So which one would you like to to start with in terms of
1: looking at specifically,
0: Justin? Yeah. Okay, yeah. let's let's so start with the pack.
1: We're kind of already uh, gearing towards that. Um, okay, so when we build these packs traditional, and when we build the EV out for these packs traditionally, um, it's usually a fairly easy exercise. We're able to see what are in the packs. We're able to see how many of each moment is going to be distributed. We can get an idea of how many of those packs are being released. Um, and we can see the prices, so we can see the value of the moments that are in there because they're usually already existing in the marketplace. And so end of the day, there's very few assu- virtually no assumptions that I actually have to make. Occasionally there's some small ones. And so we can have a high level of confidence in that EV with the one assumption being maybe, how, how does the release of that set, that packs impact the existing moments? Um, and we definitely do calculate that. For example, when we had the previous one with the MGLE twos, we built in um some we, we built in some assumptions that, hey, we expect that as more of these MGLE twos enter the market, the prices of those will go down. So our expected value wanted to make sure we accounted for that drop in price once people got their packs. But for the pre-order pack, all of those moments are new moments that are not in the marketplace now. So that made it far more challenging. In addition, we didn't know how many of these packs were going to be minted. And because the distribution was not even, meaning if there were going to be more packs minted, then that means there were going to be more of the least valuable moments minted because they said in the set release that there were going to be 500 of the rookies. There were going to be uh 1,500 of the 12,000 LE ones, and then the rest of them are going to be filled with all the 25,000. And so as we get more packs released, then the there's more chance that you end up getting those cheaper 25,000 ones. Uh, and so that does impact the actual expected value. So these were all assumptions that had to kind of be made before we could get to what we felt was the expected value. Here, I'll give a sneak into what the spreadsheet kind of looked like. Um, So what I do, I pull out, okay, here are all the plays, all the moments that are going to be in this pack. I started off and I was like, okay, my closest baseline I can do is, are there any moments that exist for the same player out of the 15,000 for the S2? That's what this column F is. And so... I didn't want to change any numbers this is back saturday or sunday when the pre-order happened so that's what these prices are based off and so i just went through and i was like okay lebron james his three-pointer out of fifteen thousand, it was going for 1400 kd Giannis, these are just all the ones that were available i then based used for non-rookies which was almost all of them i think anthony edwards maybe edwards and wiseman were the only two i don't remember exactly but I went with a multiple of 30%, and I said, I expect that these slash 25,000 pluses will go for about 30% of what the slash 15,000s. There's not significant math behind it, other than I tried to just look across the site and see what kind of ratios, but because this is just so new, that's what I ended up going with, and that's one of the assumptions I made. Um, We'll see after they actually get released I'll go back I'll test this and I'll be like okay let's see how right how right was I how wrong was I and I'll learn from that from next time we do this again um, then you though have a lot of moments for players that didn't have that s2 common so I then said okay let me take a look at uh let's see Cameron Johnson uh, now Cameron Johnson's a tough one because there's only 12,000 there. yeah let's use an Aaron Gordon While Aaron Gordon doesn't have an S2 common out of 15,000, I still have an idea of what type of player Aaron Gordon is. So I kind of tried to find within the S2 commons out of 15,000, who is a comparable player to Aaron Gordon and what is that player going for? And so I would then multiply that by 30%. I mean, by 30%. So most likely that means I was finding players that were going for about $40 and saying, that's about equivalent to Aaron Gordon. And remember, this was still four days ago, some prices were a little different, but those were the assumptions I had to make to come up with what I felt would be an estimated price for these players, these slash 25,000 pluses when they hit the marketplace. And the last one is the 12,000 were a little tricky here. Another uh, awesome, the, uh, the 12,000 were a little tricky. This means it was a first moment um, for that player. So it's gonna have a bit more value than just your S2 commons that are not, you know don't have a badge. And the last one of the rookies, rookies, I basically just did an analysis to say, okay, what is that rookie's upside? What is that rookie's kind of comparison for the existing rookies? Finding the prices and the baseline um, ended up being around 300 for the bottom three up to what I found is Peyton Pritchard at 525. That was a little tricky one because he's not the highest draft pick. He's a little older um, for an NBA rookie, but he's also has think like about seventh highest, sixth highest. Uh, rookie of the year odds. So that kind of bumped them up. And this was me just kind of having to take the MBA comparisons, the market prices for similar moments in different sets, and having to come up with what I felt would be that estimated price. So I'll pause there and see TJ, if you have any questions or if anyone in chat does before I then go to the next step of how we calculate the
0: EV. No, I think you, I think you walk through it pretty well, pretty much, you know, it's, there's no exact science to science to it because we have to make some assumptions here, right? Especially when it's new moments that have not been or new players that do not have moments before. And we, all we can do is is estimate based on what we've seen with almost moments that, that look similar or players that are similar and estimate according to that. And I, I would also say that generally speaking, we try to be, conservative, right? Like we're not out here trying to say, oh my goodness, buy all the packs because the EV is so great. This is the best thing ever. We're trying to look at it as critically as possible. And when we come up with that number, we're like, oh man, that, that seems pretty high. Are we sure about that? Double, triple check it, feel confident about it before before we get it out there. So just wanted to, to make sure that we provided some transparency in terms of what's going on behind the scenes when we put these kinds of numbers out there and we're, we're not just coming up with it out of thin air. It's it's very calculated, very well thought through, but there are some assumptions that have to be made and it's possible that the assumptions could turn out to be wrong, but we we do what we can with the information we have at the time.
1: Yeah. And I mean, so one of those assumptions well, so this was built you know, before the actual pre-order happened. Um, and so one of the major assumptions is I had to pay out a guess of, how many packs I thought would be in that pre-order. Dapper Labs put out the number they expected that there could be up to Um, 600,000. Which I I think was a bit of an exaggeration given we've seen that chart. They only have around 400,000 accounts, but they at least kept that as kind of the potential. Um, I think they were expecting a more like a 200 to 250 based off what they saw for the rare. Um, I thought that was a bit aggressive and I thought that unfortunately You probably had a bit more of the mom, dad, you know, uh, other family member accounts going for that rare because the value was more. And in here, maybe people didn't want to take that chance as much or something, or they just didn't want to go through the hassle. Um, So I think this was a bit more realistic to uh, identify how many active real users there are. Um, And so my guess ended up being 175,000. I think as we've seen that number, we don't have the final yet, but it did actually Crazily look at it. Like it was somewhere between 170 and 180,000. So that worked out pretty well. Got a, little, got a little lucky
0: Justin there. guesses another number, right? Just so shocking at this point.
1: Got a little lucky there. Um, okay. So now what we're doing for analysis is so where that 175,000 really comes into play is we need to make sure that the amount of moments that go out equal 175,000 times three, because there's three moments in each. The fixed numbers are the rookies at five hundred each, and the slash 12,000 at fifteen hundred each. Everything else is a variable, um, is a variable input where it depends on how many moments get minted. When you come out to seven hundred fifty thousand, multiply. I mean, one hundred seventy-five thousand multiplied by three, you get five twenty. And so, if I highlight this entire drop count, that gets us to that five hundred and twenty thousand and five hundred. So we take how many moments. Are actually going to be released in these packs. We take okay. What is the actual value of them? Uh, value is going to be number of moments times the actual price, um, what, what, you know, our expected price. So again, that nineteen million. Our average is thirty-eight dollars per an individual moment. Multiply that by three because we're getting three moments in a pack, and this is where we get to that number of about one hundred and fourteen dollars is our expected value of these packs. Um, and I told tj this number and i was like tj you're not gonna like this because it just seems absurd how high it is and so i must have gone through three different times i even built a spreadsheet where i said okay what if i just only assume the rookies and the 12 thousands and i assume everything else was a dollar and i think the number was still something like 40 some dollars like it just goes to show like these nine dollar packs, as they are right now, if you're going to be getting these rookies, which have the, you know, even though there are not that many of them, they're priced so high, and then you throw in a couple of the higher players, like KD at 120, LeBron at 420, the average moment's gonna be
0: quite yeah. high. And, and you can see just by looking at the list, right, is that chances are you're not going to get one of those top guys, and you're you're just gonna get a bunch of moments that are worth like ten bucks. And but even then, it's still better than. Than the nine dollar, so it's it's still you know remains to be very profitable. Obviously, there, there's some down here that we're valuing at five, six, seven bucks. But bottom line is, when uh, hopefully everyone had the chance to to get themselves a pre ordered pack, and we think that this is a great a great thing for the economy, a great thing for the Top Shot community in general. This will get some of the people that have been kind of sitting on the sidelines and waiting to get a pack, but unable to they will be able to get a pack into their hands now that'll get them out and active in the marketplace and i really think that yeah typically more supply would mean that it's bad for the demand but i think that we're in a unique case now where any influx of supply into the market is just going to to kind of kickstart the number of users kickstart the amount of transactions that's happening on the marketplace and and as we've seen, once momentum picks up, things can can move very, very quickly. And that, that's one of the promising things to me is like, yeah, we've, we've been seeing a downward trend, but it's been kind of a slow downward trend over the course of six or seven days. When things trend positively, they trend positively very quickly. And you know all of that can be made up in like a two-day period. So I'm very curious to see how the next couple of days goes and how each of these kind of impactful events that we're about to have over the next couple of days impact the the market as a whole.
1: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, and it, it'll be interesting to see. And so kind of going through some chat here just to answer a couple of questions. Um, will we ever see that kind of dollar graveyard again? I don't know. I mean, like, as you can see, I put an assumption here that I think the cheapest here are going to be around $5. Um Maybe that's high, maybe it's low, I'm not sure. Right now, the cheapest S2 commons are going for around 20. Um, and so I think at that five is about right. Maybe it might be dollar or two lower. Um, but kind of the corollary question to that is when will we see packs readily available? And uh, those packs are only going re- re- gonna to be readily available when the perceived value of those packs is substantially less than the $9 because I honestly believe that if people knew that those the expected value of those $9 packs was $7, you'd still have people buying them up because of the fun of the
0: upside. And uh so oh, it's yeah. probably got to be I something
1: would, around maybe $6 or so. And people
0: have to know that it's that. Low. I would buy so many $7 EV packs uh, and, and you'd yell at me and I would be like, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to pull LeBron. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. I'm going to go for it. And then I'd just be like, you. you know, just lose like an easy 20 bucks and be like, well, it was fun. It was worth it. <laughs> you show it on your date. You have the conversation. You yes. explain that like,
1: wow. It, yeah. Like that's, the life equity of if you pull something yes. great, and you could rub it in my face.
0: Like it's that's not, worth more the expected value of that. <sighs> exactly. Yeah. That's what, once we get to that level, I'll start adding some, some like life EV metrics into this calculation so that we can mm-hmm. make sure that we're including that in the model. I think think that's a gap in your analysis but we'll i'll i'll let it slide for now but uh no thank you thank you for walking through that i think it's it's super helpful to see and that's something that we're going to look to continue to do as as all of these packs when we get more information about the pack that's coming out on sunday we'll certainly go through a similar exercise it's going to be another another challenging one because it's it's all new moments and we we don't know exactly Yeah, it's it's Players that we've yeah. seen before, but new moments for them. So it's probably going to be a tough one. And and honestly, if we go through the calculation and we don't feel confident that we can put out a number, like we we can also just kind of say that, right? But well, I, I, can't, I guarantee be. you, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be positive, right? No matter what.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. Can you please share me on that Google Doc? Um. This is actually not a Google Doc right now. It's just on my computer. Um. But like. There's no proprietary information or anything here. It's definitely we can kind of something we can discuss from a techno- technical standpoint if we can get this uh, as just available resource after we create the EV to put it out for people. But I don't have any issue with that.
0: Good deal. Good deal. All right. So good deep dive there into everything that we saw with the upcoming base pack. I think looking back to, it feels like old news now because of all the exciting stuff we had happen today, but really the story of this week so far has been the two challenges that came to an end. So we had The Gift come to an end earlier in the week, what, on Monday? My goodness, that feels like a week ago. It was only two days ago. The Gift came to an end on Monday. Cool Cats was originally supposed to be ending on Monday. We saw that that got pushed back as a result of some of the technical difficulties.
1: They got pushed to the same day because I think they were supposed oh, they to be pushed a day. the same day. Okay, yeah. the first
0: day right. part, they got pushed to the same day. So we had a big challenge day and the numbers are, are interesting in terms of you know the, the amount that it costs in order to obtain the sets versus what we've seen, the Derrick Rose reward from the gift and the Anthony Davis reward from the Cool Cats Challenge go. And we definitely want to... To dive into this today and look a little bit at those challenges, see what we saw from a trends perspective, and yeah, here we go. So, if you could scroll or uh, zoom in just a little bit more, Justin, I think. So here we have I don't the know trends. If, I can't with the <laughs> if you can't, can, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, so he- here that's we fine. have up. Uh, yeah. All right. So here we have the gift, right? And you can see that both of these. A, they follow the same trajectory, but let's also keep in mind that that is pretty in line with the overall market trajectory. So it's a bit tainted by that. Obviously, the Gift and the Cool Cats both pumped up at the same time as the overall market. But what you can really notice is that as soon as the packs, or sorry, as the rewards were given out and the challenge was over, they dropped by at least 50% in terms of the value of the collective five gift moments, the value of the collective five cool cats moments. And this really fell off of a cliff there. So this is something that we've seen in in past challenges as well. And we're going to continue to evaluate it. But I think the the interesting thing, right, is that essentially when determining whether or not, again, if you're just thinking about it from a, a dollars perspective, an expected value perspective, oh, you have it up right here. Why don't, why don't you break it down then, Justin, before I ruin it? Yeah, no, no you're good, you're good.
1: Um, and I mean, that's what it comes down to is we're trying to learn as much as we can about these challenges, because without a doubt, these challenges are the game within the game. They're the most, pop, poss- they're the most popular um, component of what we're seeing in Top Shot. And so if we can improve our ability to, you know, uh, how we kind of act within these challenges, then we're going to be able to capitalize long term. And so if we look at the gift, um, the day of the challenge ending, you could sell all five gift moments for around $2,000. And that is after lowest ask and fees. Uh, before it was like something like 2150. Uh, and you can see that just above, let me pull out the laser pointer. Um, you can see that right around here was just above that 2000. Um, and so if you wanted to, which we all had the option, you also could have done it anywhere along here if you wanted. Uh, But you could have sold with all the information, you know, right before the challenge ends for around $2,000. Now, we didn't know what the Derrick Rose would go for. But now what we know that is you could buy shortly after the challenge, all of those same moments and the Derrick Rose for $1,345. So all the only difference there is you miss out on the chance of getting that low Derrick Rose cereal. So the question becomes, was that chance to get it? The one out of, you know, how many end up being completed? Um, Derek Rose's are like 3,500, I think. Okay. So how many, you know, maybe the 1% chance that you get a very valuable one, maybe, I don't know, a 5%, 10% chance that you're going to get uh, like a, you know, a double digit. Um, is that worth paying an extra $650? Maybe some people say yes. Maybe it's part of the game. To me personally, I think like, if I had hindsight analysis and I didn't complete the gift, but like if I had hindsight analysis, I, I was involved, I would definitely sell, you know, before we saw the challenge end. And so similar with the cool cats, cause I was definitely involved in the cool cats, I collected all of them. And now hindsight, we know that last day you could have sold all your 10 cool cat moments for $2,900 and that's after low S, after fees, you could then buy them up to, you know, shortly after for about. 2200 So again, I, you know, typo here, it's not Derek Rose, obviously AD, but was the chance of that low Anthony Davis serial worth $715, especially when there were 7,000 minted. So there's that significantly, you know, small, small chance of you getting a very valuable number. Um, if I knew this, I would have said, hey, I should sell right here, take my 2900 If I, even if I'm going for the master, I buy them all up right here and I've saved $700. I think we're not the only ones that are seeing this. I think other people are going to see it as well. And we're going to get more people that going into the next challenge and going forward may take that decision to kind of, hey, try to buy early on because there's no question the great value, you know, as the market was going up. So that's got to be taken into account. But if you can get in a good price and then sell somewhere along the way, that's a lot better expected value stance. Then, if you ride it to the end and uh, kind of just you know miss out on that selling opportunity,
0: yeah, it's it's really interesting to look at. Obviously, anyone looking at this would say, "Oh, no brainer, you know, b- buy up all the buy up all the moments, do what our friend Osimo did, who we we had on the show last week, right? He bought like close to two hundred Cool Cats, and I, I didn't actually did not actually track to see if he ended up. I assume that he ended up selling them, but I don't. Don't know that for sure. But it, it's really an interesting, an interesting yeah. dilemma. And I'm curious to see because cause if if all of a sudden this narrative goes around, right? That oh sell right before the challenge, then if you if you really have that many people that are having that mentality, then all of a sudden, you know, you could have a thousand or two thousand less Anthony Davises, and then the people that held on get rewarded. So it's really going to be like a leveling war here of of who is on which level and and really getting into that, ah, uh, it's.
1: Cause then do you sell maybe two days before, before it starts dropping or do you say, Hey, maybe it's going to correct so much that I'm actually going to buy here. And now this number is actually only like $200 and I'm okay paying that $200 difference to get that, you know, uh, chance to low cereal or at the extreme which we saw, you know, obviously it took more time for Luca to get up to what he did. But when Luca was initially selling for 800, that was a similar situation where it actually would have been cheaper to complete the challenge afterwards. But we then saw Luca with the master stance where completely skyrocketed. So if this AD actually would have been in the $2,000 to $2,500 range, well, then this number is not really, you know, what you're looking at here. Uh, But because it was in that kind of more like 1400, um, that's why we got that
0: opportunity. Yeah. And then, I mean, Evan mentions in the chat here, and I think this is the whole completed challenges section of our account is a collection itself. Maybe there could be value there. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. But either way, it's definitely cool to look into your completed challenges section and and see that you've completed the challenge. Mm -hmm. Like I I, I personally get enjoyment out of competing. And I I did not do the gift because I I just – I thought that that one was was way too far off, but and apparently the cool cats was too. But I've enjoyed the cool cats challenge, participating in that. I'm I'm planning on going for the master challenge. It's I I think it's you know for, for like a little bit of the collector in me, which I, I didn't know. Like I haven't been historically a collector, but can definitely see how the the collector mentality comes out in these challenges, and I, I think it's going to continue to appeal to a lot of people. So I. I plan to to continue to to dabble with these challenges. I think that we're going to hopefully continue to see challenges at a bunch of different price points. I think a base pack challenge of some sort is inevitable. I know that their original intention with the cool cats was it for it not to be as expensive as it's gotten, but just with the number of new users that happen to come in at the same time. But maybe as we see some of these 25,000 circulating count moments come out, maybe we'll see a uh, a more affordable base challenge. And like if, and when that comes out and there's a super cheap challenge, I personally probably won't even look too much at the EV and we'll probably just complete it for fun just because I kind of like doing that, but it's, it's interesting. And it's going to be, I think a, an ongoing aspect of, of the top shot game is the challenges is trying to figure them out, trying to optimize them. Shout out to to my brother, Neil in the discord. He's providing a, a ton of insight and data into the challenges every single day to people in the discord. I, I know that, that he's got some fans out there that that love the stuff that he's doing. So if you are interested in the challenge, definitely get, get talking to Neil. He, he knows the stuff inside out and is, is uh, really enjoying tracking all the data. hundred percent
1: much props to Neil for uh, one who provided these charts for us and has significantly more behind the scenes analysis in the uh, OTM discord channel. Um, and then yeah to the gamification aspect, gamification is a powerful tool. I mean, think of FIFA um, with their you know the FIFA's gets what a billion dollars for you know their improved so you can you know get, get a better team, you can get bonuses, perks, whatever it is and that's just so you can maybe win your games or look cooler playing or something um, without a doubt like hey, is seven hundred dollars, maybe because I want to, cannot get that fun, get the gamification, get the reward badge that I accomplished it. Uh, maybe that's enough to actually drive people to continue wanting to do them. Um, we'll see what kind of that price point, kind of uh, equilibrium, ends up turning out to.
0: Yep. Yeah, going to continue to be a, a part of something that we're always looking at to and, and dedicating a ton of time to think that, that it's important and it's fun. And it's going to be, it's going to be one of the first thing that I think new year's is try to look at, right. They're going to come to the site and be like, Oh, what are these challenges? That seems fun. How can I kind of work my bankroll to a point where I can compete in one of these challenges? I feel like, I feel like it's, at the very least, it's like a bucket list item for everyone. Of like, I got to at least complete, complete one challenge. And if after the fact that I decide that it's not for me, then maybe, you know, I, I don't have to do every single one in the future, but I think it'll continue to be a point of interest and that gamification is a critical part of what we're doing here at TopShot. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Good deal. All righty. So, I think that that closes out the the challenge aspects here. We are coming up on an hour, but I do want to get into to your last bit that we have at least to run through it quickly and this was something that had that, that Justin had actually talked about prior to it going kind of viral on Twitter, this like international strategy with the comments. So I guess I'll set the stage first before that and then kick it over to you, Justin. So one of the... So we just talked about the challenges. One of the probably most massive edges you could possibly like. if i if I could do one thing in top shot it would probably be if i was allowed to see into the future of which base moments are going to be included in future challenges because then my portfolio would just be all of those moments right if i could have one special power i think that would be it because we've seen it with will barton we've seen it with i don't even whoever else the base moments were in those other ones like will barton went up to 200 bucks at one point which is just like silly he was 20 bucks before so when these base moments that are going for very cheap get announced as being a part of these challenges, they immediately skyrocket in value, both from people that want to complete the challenges. And then also, I think that there's a number of people that will just collect a bunch of those after the fact in the hope that they can flip it later. And so one of the one of the strategies here, one of the things that we can look at is try to identify what the Top Shot team is doing and how they are thinking about their holistic challenges to see if there's anything we can glean from that information to try and predict what may be included in a future challenge. And this whole entire concept, again, goes back to the idea of expected value in that if we're wrong, right? Eh, you know, whatever. Most likely the moment stays, it stays the way it is. Maybe it goes down a little bit, say it even goes down as much as twenty. 30, 50%, whatever. Yep, that's the downside. But the upside is literally like five to 10x in terms of the return if these base moments get announced as being a challenge. And all of a sudden they go from $25 to $100 or $150 or $200, depending on the challenge. So that's the, the kind of general concept here. And then the specific idea that came about was with regards to the Cool Cats 3, we have seen which cool cats have been minted. And we have seen that they are all international players. And so the theory began with, well, what if they continue with this theme and the five base moments are also going to be international players. So how can we look at the list of international players and capitalize on that?
1: And to start off, even before those cool cats came out, I took a strategy of, okay, there's going to be a cool cats challenge three. They seem like they're taking we don't truly know what the, who those commons are going to be, but if I just start buying the floor of the S2 commons, I'm buying at the floor, so my risk is virtually nothing. Maybe my risk is that 5% fee, because I'm assuming that I can just resell these at that same floor price. Um, I also have a long-term view that S2s out of 15,000 are actually gonna increase in price, so I didn't mind the idea of buying the floor. And so I was just buying, Whatever the floor was for every player, just getting a bunch of them. So I had a bunch of the ish myths. I had a bunch of whoever was just kind of at that bottom layer uh, for that day. Then two, three days later, um, after going through this strategy, the international cool cats were minted. And so that's when I was like, okay, I need to pivot a little because now I have increased, um, I have an increased level of confidence that I can hone in on who the commons are going to be. So I stopped buying the ish. But now I was focusing on, okay, who are the, at the time, eight, eight, eight cheapest international players? And so I then started going after them for anything in the ranges of 16 17 18 $19. Uh, then I think that's when it went viral and a few other people picked up on it. And so this was then me trying to, I built this out for the Discord to give an idea of current prices as of, I believe, yesterday, maybe the day before. Um, so that trying to help people understand, like, is it still worth the EV right now? when i was buying these at 17 18 19 which now the base of s twos is still around that my risk was nothing so it was pure upside once it became you know known that hey there's an increased chance that these international players may be involved okay so now the price is up so i had to kind of figure out okay what's my expected value for each time i buy one of these comments? so as you can probably have seen the risks and the assumptions that i've built in so i'll go through this quick, quickly the greatest risk is that they just don't use any 15 slash 15,000s in the Cool Cat 3 challenge, and they only use the new 25,000 moments. Um, there's also a Black Swan. Maybe they actually stop the Cool Cats. Maybe or if they stop the Cool Cats for a while. Maybe they don't have an individual challenge anytime soon. Like I think it was unlikely, but I at least had to include Or maybe they don't include comments in it. So that was a possibility, but very unlikely. Uh, And then maybe there's a, Hey, prices just keep going down. So I'm buying in at a time that's higher than the marketplace. Okay. I accept that risk built in for assumption standpoint. um, I wanted to create an assumption around, okay, what is my most risk? So what's the baseline price here? And I'm using $20 for everyone. I think it's a very conservative one because some of these players are better than your actual floor. And so, you know, for example, um, Let's say, uh, Serge Ibaka, I think, was actually going for something more around like, you know, $23, $24 even before a lot of this. Uh, so even though his risk may not be down to 20 I at least wanted to be conservative. And I said, okay, worst case scenario is if these are not included in the challenge, then they drop down to $20. Um, let's see. Second assumption that I was going is that if they are in the challenge, then they're going to go up to $150. Uh, because of the upcoming Cool Cat Challenge will be at a slash 15,000. If any 15,000s are in it as well as our commons, they're actually just as rare as the Cool Cats. So I think that would make the gap between the Cool Cats and the commons prices a little less than we've traditionally seen. So maybe something closer to what we have the Will Barton. Again, I believe that 150 was conservative. Uh, and the last one is um, assumption that the international players have an increased hit rate of being in because of the international theme we've seen. So what I've done is the only thing here I have is a floating variable of what's the percent chance that it's actually in. And because when I was working with the people in Discord, I wanted to give them to say, hey, you figure out what you think the chance of one of these players being included is, take that from a 1, 5, 10, 15, 20, and then you can figure out what the expected value is on each individual purchase. So if we use that, you know, Ms. Mach example, if you believe that the chance of him being included in the challenge is between 1 and 3%, then you're probably gonna lose anywhere between one, two, three dollars on every individual purchase. But if you believe that the chance of him being in is anything higher, you're looking at maybe 10, 15, 20%. Now on each individual purchase, we're talking upwards of you know two X as an expected value. And that doesn't mean that, like, hey, if it hits, we're talking significantly more than two X, but we're just talking expected value was substantial there. And so that's why I made a heavy play, and I think I bought a couple hundred across the board of all of these I'm, lo- I'm looking players.
0: right now man you got more Al Horford's than Dwight Howard what what's going on I thought yeah Dwight's gonna I, be pissed he's your boy I know I think I, I can't get rid of the Horford's I think I just need to grab more Dwight's um
1: <laughs> no I, I went hard on it and uh, because I thought that hey my risk was minimal and if one of these you know ends up then it is a huge upside play um now we've learned, and I think, and I'm fully accepting that because we've had this kind of all-star and these two new rare packs that came out, it probably decreases the likelihood or increases, or increases the likelihood that the challenge commons will be slash 25,000. Uh, so I think I wouldn't recommend this play as much as I you know, would a couple of days ago. Now that we've got this new information, I still think there's a chance that we're going to see a combo of slash 25,000 and maybe one or two slash 15,000s. Um, and if that's the case, this process still can hit. Um, but if I was to kind of bake in the chance that any of these are included, I would now say it's probably closer to that kind of low single digit. And so I wouldn't really recommend this as a play right now. but before we knew about all these new rares and I was expecting that a cool cat challenge would actually be announced, you know, if not today this week because I knew they wanted to bring some action. Uh, I guess I was just wrong on where that action came from.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think if we had known that all the announcements that happened today were going to ha- happen, then it would have been pretty clear that the Cool Cats is is likely not to be for another probably two weeks, week and a half, I imagine okay. after after those base packs are released. Now, so makes sense. And hey, it just again it goes to show that not 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 every move is going to work out, and that's okay. But it's about when you're wrong. You take a small risk, but then when you're right on something, you get that that big time payoff, and that's how that's how you really build up a bankroll, like our friend Justin here has done in Top Shots and many other endeavors in his life. And I'm happy to be along for the ride with him. But yeah, I mean, you got to go out and buy ten Dwight Howards tonight because it's, you know, I'm looking at catch job. I'm looking at your top-owned moments right now. and
1: I was gifted my first Dwight Howard, so I was pretty happy about that. Shout-out to J.R. Orlin
0: I'm just going to show this super quick, but we can see on the page right here that we've got Justin's top five most-owned moments. He's got 81 Al Al Horfords, 72 Dwight Howards, 68 Daniel Thies, 52 Clevers, 39 Bismarck Biambo's. So you can see that all of his highest-owned moments are now from these, except for his longtime faithful Dwight Howard, so and I'm
1: okay. And I'm okay with holding on to these long-term, to be honest, as well. Because as I said, I'm still bullish on S2 Commons at a fifteen thousand because of what we're going to see with the mints of the future uh, of the other ones being, you know, significantly higher. Uh, and also, once you know this does uh, leave the opportunity for an international market to kind of value some of these international players a bit more. Uh, so I think that was kind of a uh, hidden upside from a long-term perspective. Um, so I'm not planning on flipping them. I'm at least going to hold on to the CC3 and see, and hope that maybe one or two of those comments end up being from this batch. Um, and if not, then it's okay. Maybe I take a small loss on it, but um, I'm still, I still respect. I'm still happy with my process.
0: Process over results, my friend. That is the name of the game when you're talking expected value, which is exactly what we did tonight. Justin, do you have any final thoughts that we need to share before we wrap up the show here? How about what are we doing tomorrow night? Yeah, yeah. So tomorrow night we are going to have Mr. Brian Koparek. Wanted yeah, to make right. sure I got his name correctly, Brian Toporek, right. who comes from more of the the traditional NBA side of things, does some some work at the Bleacher Report, is on an NBA podcast, uh, more more of a traditional NBA guy over a kind of you know analytics or or top shot guy. So it's going to be an interesting conversation with him. We are going to have our NBA analyst John Bachman on with us as well. You guys have probably seen him being pretty active in the Discord. Big, big NBA fan. Big time knowledge in terms of the actual basketball side of things, which I know that that Justin and I don't talk about too, too often, but this is going to be a great opportunity to chat with Brian, get his perspective on, on the NBA as a league, You know, where from his view Top Shot fits into this picture or, or kind of what he's hearing on his side in terms of the buzz. Justin, anything to add on on Brian and having him as a guest tomorrow night. You
1: know, I'm excited. Um, he's definitely has a strong background in writing about the NBA. Uh, obviously with the all-star coming up, I think it's just a great time for us to kind of just enjoy. And we had no idea that obviously these new sets were going to be released, but now that we've got sets with the all-star you know, in conjunction, we bring on an NBA expert to, you know, pair with our Uh, MBA expert Bachman. I think it's just going to be exciting chat. That To be honest, will probably be one of my quietest ones. I'm just going to listen, you know, sit back and listen for the most part and uh, really just try to pick both their brains.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be great. And then Sunday we've got this pack drop coming up. So we are going to try and do a a live stream, live pack sweat, depending on how the timing looks on Sunday. Uh, I, I think we'll be able to work something out though. Make sure that we can get, Everyone on to stream with us to see who's going to be fortunate enough to get those packs, and then we will, of course, have another episode of Producer Coop After Dark coming to a podcast and or not podcast coming to the YouTube feed near you. And we're going to have du- double duty with Bachman as Producer Coop's going to sit down with Bach, get a little bit of an introduction to the fans about. John and his background and his involvement here at OTM, and talk about the the NBA All Star Weekend. So we got a an NBA heavy weekend ahead of us. Looking forward to yeah. it.
1: No, it's exciting, and I'm going to do one of the uh, shills real quick. Um, specifically, so obviously people that are listening to the podcast later on, but also anyone in here, if you do have either Spotify or Apple. Um, we have had a phenomenal um you know start and you know this has been built up in a month and a lot of it really is because of the community and the engagement that we have and uh reading some of the reviews that you all have left uh on those streams and actually like the type of ones have been just you know fantastic and you know, feel in the heart um so greatly appreciative for that anyone else that hasn't we would always really appreciate that and kind of just help uh, bring this to more people um, because I think that is the way that kind of you um, you beat the algorithms and you get into all those is just those positives. So, if any of you have just a minute or two to find the Own the Moment podcast at one of those places, um, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcast, any of those places, um, we would greatly appreciate the kind of uh, you know rating and review from each of you. So much appreciated.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thanks so much to everyone that that left comments, left reviews like Justin said, really meant a lot hearing it. P- people didn't just uh, go on and say, I like the podcast. They, they really gave some kind of heartfelt thoughts, which, which we like to see. And you know, that that's, that's why we're here. It's such a, such a good community, such a close knit community. It's been, you know, great seeing all the action that goes on in discord, all the the awesome conversations that go on there. I, I know that I personally, do not actively participate as much as I would like. There's just a lot going on right now that that we are working on with OTM. So I, in the future, will certainly be more active in participating. But we, we've got some some things going on behind the scenes that, that we're working hard on with our engineering team. And yeah, like Justin said, please, please, if you've enjoyed enjoying the show, if you've been enjoying the content, leave a review. If you've enjoyed this show in particular, if you could hit that thumbs up button on the YouTube video. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. It's it's been been a wild month or month and a half here. And I think that that we're really still just getting started and excited for the next couple of days as I think we're going to have some some new users joining the Top Shot community very soon. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for spending the night with us. Thanks to everyone that listened on the podcast feed. We will be talking to you guys again tomorrow night. So with that said, on behalf of Justin, on behalf of producer Coop behind the scenes, I am TJ Lasig. We'll catch you guys next time.